morning, everybody. My name is Kay Eck. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm delighted with you in Crosswalk this morning. We again want to welcome you and say thank you so much for being here this morning. I have the privilege of preaching while our senior pastor, Dr. Stan Copeland, and several of our other pastors and lay leaders are in St. Louis attending this special called session of our general conference. I want to ask you to be sure to keep them and all of the delegates in your prayers, and you can follow along on our Facebook feed this week to kind of keep, keep track of what's going on. The conference started yesterday. They spent the whole day in prayer and in worship, and then the business session starts today, so we'll be hearing what's happening there. So today we're wrapping up our series entitled No Outsiders, where we have considered how God calls us as the church to live and to be in the world. And we've learned that God calls us to love and to serve and share the good news of Jesus with other people. And today we're going to consider how God calls us, those of us who follow Jesus, to be a generous people. So to start, I want to read Jesus' words that are found in the sixth chapter of Luke, verses 6, 27 through 36. So just a little context for, for us before we read the scripture. We, many of you know Luke is one of the four gospels that tell of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The author of this book is attributed to Luke, who is considered to be a doctor. And Luke is also attributed with writing the book of Acts. Luke-Acts kind of goes together. Luke starts off with the story of Jesus' birth that we read at Christmas time, and it's beautiful. And then he tells of Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the desert and his calling of the disciples to come and follow him. And, and then Jesus starts teaching. So all of the words that we read this morning are red-letter words. They're words that Jesus himself said and taught as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So would you stand as you are able for the reading of God's word? And you can follow along with us on the screens. But I say to you who listen... Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend from those who you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. <clears throat> And they expect to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High God. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. So, wow, Jesus really doesn't hold back here, does he? This morning, I want us to unpack, to try to unpack these verses and think about how they lead us as followers of Christ into a life of generosity. 
Because these words from Jesus, they're instructive to us on how we are called to live in the world. Many of you know for many years I've been the missions and outreach pastor here at Lover's Lane. And I've had the opportunity to travel around the world and go on all of these incredible mission trips with Lover's Lane. And about this time three years ago, I found myself in Rwanda in the Democratic Republic of Congo with a group called ALARM, or African Leadership and Reconciling Ministries. I was so excited to go to Rwanda. I remember when I was a teenager, I, I remember hearing of the genocide that was happening there and being heartbroken and horrified and really wanting to know more about the country. I wanted to go to Rwanda to experience the country and the people. I wanted to learn what God would teach me about redemption and reconciliation and restoration after tragedy. And I wanted to be an outward expression of God's love for the people that we came across. So we get to Rwanda, and I'm completely blown away by this country. I mean, completely. The, the country is beautiful. It's mountainous, and it's luscious and tropical and green, and there's these beautiful flowers everywhere. And we got to stay on a coffee plantation, which was beautiful, but I don't drink coffee. Everybody else said it was the best coffee they've ever had. I just could smell it. But the coffee plantation was along this lake, this beautiful lake, Kivu. And we were able to teach Bible studies and interact with the children and do crafts with some of the women. And it was just this incredibly beautiful experience. The people in Rwanda we found to be hospitable and welcoming and just loved the Lord and loved us so much. The country has a really young population, as most of their elders were slaughtered just 25 years ago. But it was remarkable, just remarkable to see a country that has rebuilt itself, that has been restored, that has recovered from such a tragedy. And then we spent a couple of days in the Democratic Republic of Congo, or DRC. And honestly, this was kind of an afterthought for me. I, I saw it on our agenda. I knew that's where we were going. But I didn't particularly personally have any connections to the Congo. Well, we crossed from Rwanda into the Congo, into eastern Congo, and we stayed in this little city called Goma. And as we were preparing for this, we were told that East Congo, particularly Goma, is known as the rape capital of the world. It's a dangerous and, and dark place. And there was something weird for me about crossing from this luscious beauty of our experience in Rwanda and into Goma because Goma experienced this volcano in the early 2000s that has left this volcanic ash all across the city. So the city is literally covered with black volcanic rock and ash still to this day. And so there was what felt like this like spiritual darkness, but also this literal darkness of the volcano. And, and the whole place just felt kind of suppressive and heavy to me where we, where we were. So one of our tasks in Goma was to visit an orphanage and to teach a lesson about the love of Jesus. And I was asked to lead this part, which I was so excited to do. And when I think of an orphanage, I think of a clean building with beds, toys, education, adults who care for children without parents, but this really wasn't what we experienced. We have a, a picture for you up on the screens in just a second. We pulled up to this old refugee camp, and in the back you can see um, the tents where refugees were still settled, and then 
the earth looks like this. It's just covered in, in this darkness. And there's barbed wire, and we see this little bitty shack, and they told us this is where the girls sleep. There's about 50 girls and about 10 bunk beds in this tiny, tiny little room. And then a little bigger building where the boys slept. The same sort of dire situation. So we gathered all the children together outside in this open area because there were no tables or chairs. So everybody's standing around. I mean, little bitty preschoolers all the way through um, teenagers. And I began to teach this lesson that I've taught many times around the world to kids about the love of Jesus. We do this little craft on, on many occasions, on many of our mission trips, where we make this bracelet, and the bracelet has different colored beads on it to teach us something about who God is. And I think we have another picture as well of where we were. But we start with this yellow bead, this little yellow bead, and, and we say this yellow represents God. It represents our eternal God. It represents God who is so good, who loves you so much, who created everything on heaven and earth and said it was good. This yellow bead represents the kingdom of God that we experience on earth and that won't be fully realized until we get to heaven. But And then put this little bead on your little rope to remind you that God created you and you are good. And then we give them a dark-colored bead, and we teach the kids about sin. And we tell them that sin is anything willing or unwilling that we do that separates us from God. We don't want to be separated from God. We want to be with God. So we pass out a red bead. The red bead represents the blood of Jesus. And we talk a lot about Jesus. Jesus was God, who wrapped himself in human flesh, he came to us incarnate, fully God and fully human. He came to teach us, to love us, and ultimately to die on the cross for us. Jesus showed us his great love in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still separated from God, he died for us. But the cross could not contain him. Jesus was resurrected from the dead, restoring our relationship with God and demonstrating God's great and good love for us, sinners and all. And then we go on with these other beads. We, we give them a white bead to talk about how Jesus has washed us clean as snow. And it's really fun to teach kids in Goma, Congo, what snow is when they've never experienced it. We, we talk about blue for baptism, the waters of baptism, and why that's important, and green for how we can continue to grow in Christ. So we have this little bracelet, this little craft. It's totally oversimplified, but what it does on our mission trips is it communicates the gospel of Jesus in a way that children can easily understand, and it gives them some, something tangible to be reminded of, of who God is and how God loves them. So here I am. I find myself... In this, you know, weird situation of kids standing all around in what I consider darkness. And this little bitty child comes up to me with the bracelet that he's made. and puts it on my arm and he says, this is for you. This little bitty child with literally nothing. Not enough food, not enough water, no clean clothes, no education. Very little adult attention, parents who are dead, not even a decent place to lay his head down. 
this little child showed me what the generosity of Jesus can look like. He understood this love of God so much that he wanted to give it away. He wanted to bless somebody else. Can you think of a time in your own life when you have experienced the generosity of Jesus, perhaps through somebody else? I think we all have those times in our lives if we start looking for them. When I think about the generosity of God, it all goes back to that little red bead. It all goes back to Jesus. Jesus came to earth to die so that we might have life. Jesus, out of his generous love, gave of himself to us. To us. You and me. We're sinners. We're so unworthy. We're so undeserving of Jesus' love. And Jesus, is sa- Jesus says, I love you anyway. I offer this radical love to you, this generous love to you, even you. Jesus shows us how to live and how to love, and then he reconciles us to God with his very own life. This is what generosity is. I believe this is what Jesus was teaching us in Luke chapter 6. And when I read those words, they're not, they don't make that much sense to me. It doesn't make sense that Jesus would love us like he does. It doesn't make sense what we read. A lot of these things are not rational, they're not very logical, but they're true. When we know and we claim this love of God in our lives, we start this journey of sanctification. Sanctification is a word we use in the Methodist church often to talk about how we become more and more like God in the way that we love God and the way that we love other people. So how do we define generosity? I think Jesus defines it for us this way. I think generosity is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle in which we share all that we are, all that we have, and all that we ever will be as a demonstration of God's love and a response to God's grace in our lives. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's a a choice that we make where we share all that we are, all that we have, all that we ever will be as a demonstration of God's love and, and a response to God's grace in our lives. When we know this generous love of God, we can't help but respond with generosity in return. And you know, generosity doesn't necessarily make sense, does it? It's not super rational or logical, but it's true. It's, it's how we demonstrate God's love to others. So if we look back at Jesus' words in Luke chapter 6, Jesus gives us these directives to those of us who follow him. And most of them aren't especially logical to me. In verse 27, he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. That is generosity. Jesus modeled this for us when he offered forgiveness to those who would crucify him. Who in your own life would you classify as an enemy? Or if enemy is too harsh of a word, someone you really don't like. Anybody have any of those? right? How do we offer love to them? How do we offer generosity to them? Verse 28, if someone gives you your coat, give them your shirt too. This is generosity. If you can meet a need, do it. Don't do it for your benefit, but do it as a response to God's love and grace in your life. Who under your influence has a need that you can meet? 
Jesus says, do it. Do it. And then verse 31, this is the golden rule that we teach our children, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But, you know, we live in this society that uplifts vengeance, that tells people you should get what you deserve. But treating people the way that you want to be treated or, or maybe treating people even better than you are treated, even when you really don't like them, even when they really don't deserve it, that's generosity. This is what Jesus modeled when he stopped to spend time with the blind and the lame. This is what Jesus modeled when he called the children to his lap, when he rebuked a crowd for wanting to stone a prostitute. When we talk about generosity, we're talking about responding to the grace and the love of God in our lives. And it comes in many ways. It comes through forgiveness. It comes through our love. It comes from in and how we give of our time and our money and our resources and our gifts. We choose this lifestyle that seems very beautiful in the eyes of the world. But, but we live in this culture and this country that tells us you need to make a way on your own. Don't give anything away. Those people need to earn it themselves. Hold on to all you have. Don't trust anyone. That's what our, our culture tells us oftentimes. But Jesus says, no, it's the complete opposite. He models generosity for us by giving of himself all that he was, all that he is, all that he ever will be for the benefit of somebody else. Jesus goes on to say, he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. How true is this? It's so easy to love people who are like us, who have a, ser a similar mindset as we do, who have a similar life experience as we do. But it's a whole other thing to love somebody who is not like us, perhaps who doesn't like us and we don't like them, who is different. That response, though, that offering of love, it can only come when we know the general, generous and radical love and grace God has shown to us. This response can only come when we recognize that all that we have, all that we are, all that we ever will be is a gift from God. And then we respond to that gift with a generous offering of love. Jesus tells us, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything in return. Do you give of your time and your money and your resources because it looks good on your resume? Do you give money because you can write it off on your taxes? Do you give, get rid of your extra stuff in your house because it's taking up too much room in your garage so somebody else might could use that junk? Jesus has defined generosity for us as a lifestyle which we choose to share all that we have all that we are, all that we ever will be as a demonstration and response to God's love and grace. You see, I think generosity is what God wants for you, not what God needs from you. I think generosity is what God wants for you, not what God wants or needs from you. God is God, right? God can accomplish anything on heaven and on this earth. But God loves us so much that God wants us to know and to deeply understand this generous love of Jesus for us. God wants us to know 
that he sent his only son to earth to die for us so that we might have life. God poured out God's self, and with this radical generosity, this radical love, I believe God desires nothing more for us than to know and to understand the love of Christ. And when we do, when we understand it, this love, it just becomes a part of who we are, and we just can't help but respond. We just can't help but want to become more like God. We just can't help but want to be generous with our lives and with our love. So a couple of weeks ago, I was having dinner with um, these pastors that I'm in a group with, and one of my friends was sharing about a time that she went on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land with 11 other women. As they were driving through the desert on the way to their next stop, the driver just pulled the van over and got out and left all the women there, and they're like freaking out what's happening. And he walks up to this man in this tent, and they find themselves in this Bedouin village camp. And Bedouins are just nomadic people who live in the Middle East. They've been there since the time of Jesus and are still there now. So the driver finally comes back to the van and he says, this is my friend. This man, this Bedouin man is my friend and he's invited all of you to come to his tent. They're like, okay. So off they go up the little hill through the desert. They all pile into his little tent for some refreshment and fellowship and they're served tea and biscuits and, and they just experience this hospitality. Like what we read about in Genesis when Abraham welcomes strangers into his own tent. But this Bedouin man, he starts chanting very rhythmically this blessing over the women, over these new friends that he just met from the United States. And he had some sort of sword or dagger thing that he was holding in his hands. And he would pass it from woman to woman as he's chanting very rhythmically, saying things like, I will provide my food for you. I will make sure you have water. I will keep you safe and secure. I will welcome you to my home. And then he said, I will give my life for you. I will give my life for you. My, my friend said she just sat there listening to this man, a Bedouin, a Muslim, offering such generous love to people that he didn't even know. Love that is so generous that it even says, I will give my life for you. I think this is the kind of love, this is the kind of generosity that Jesus wants us to know and to demonstrate. This is the kind of generosity that Jesus gave us himself. This is the kind of generosity that can spring out of a response to knowing God's love and grace in our lives. It comes when we give of ourselves, our time, our money, our stuff, our resources, even our own lives for the sake of someone else. Jesus says, this is what I want for you, not from you. I want for you to offer love to your enemies. I want for you to pray for those who mistreat you. I want for you to give not only your coat, but to give your shirt too. I want for you to give without expecting anything in return. I want for you to trust God enough to let go of what we claim to be ours, knowing 
that all we have is a gift from God. So this morning, I'd like us to consider how is God calling you to a life of generosity? How do you respond to God's grace and love in your life? Imagine what your family would be like. If it, it, would it be different if you offered this generous, radical love of Jesus to them? Imagine what this church would look like if we offered the generosity of Jesus to those sitting right around us, to those amongst us who are in need, to those who we don't even like. Imagine with me what this city would look like if we offered the generosity of Jesus to the stranger, to the enemy, to the one who is different from us. How would our world look different if we lived this radical generosity as a response, as a response to knowing God's love and grace in our lives? You know what I think it would look like? I think it would look like the kingdom of God right here on earth. And we've seen glimpses of it. I think it would look like an Acts chapter 2 world. Acts chapter 2 gives us this image of generosity that's so beautiful. All of the people, these early church, the early Christians were gathered together. They devoted themselves to Jesus' teachings just like the ones we just read. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking bread together, to eating together. They held everything in common. They gave to everyone who had need, and no one was left out. There, was, there were no outsiders. Everyone experienced this radical generosity, and with it came a glimpse of the kingdom of God right here on earth. So I, I told you about my experience in Goma, Congo. This, the generosity of this little bitty child completely changed my understanding of who God is and how God loves us. What I saw is this dark place, both literally through the volcanic ash and spiritually through the sin of the place. Jesus showed me through this child that generosity is a response that comes from knowing the love, of, the love and grace of God in our lives. When we respond with generosity, we come alongside of the Lord to bring light to the darkest places. As we drove away from that little orphanage, I found myself sitting in the back of an SUV. I had my little ball cap on and my sunglasses, and I literally turned my body away from my other travelers, and I was just crying, just tears streaming down my face, trying to process the goodness of Jesus, the radical love of Jesus, the generosity of Jesus, even in the darkest places. And as we were driving, I want, to, I want to show you this picture. As we were driving, I started to see less and less of the volcanic rock. And I started to notice that there were sunflowers that were springing up through the rock, through the ash. Because God always brings light to dark places, doesn't he? If this morning you are in a place of darkness, may you know the generous the radical love of Jesus for you, even you. May you know the grace of Jesus for you and may it bring light to your life. May we all know this grace, this love of Christ, and may we then respond with generosity, sharing all that we have, all that we are, 
all that we ever will become. To demonstrate to a world in need, to a world that's dark, that God's love and grace is for them too. May we walk out of the doors this morning to bring a generous light to a world in need. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, for the ways that you love each of us so deeply. God, we are humbled. So, Lord, we offer ourselves to you. We trust you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.